know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Season Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast land? This is Joe's Jam and Joe with the Fan for All Seasons podcast. And on today's episode, we're talking some Georgia Bulldog basketball, some Atlanta Hawks basketball, pitchers and catchers report for the Braves, so we'll be talking all things Braves, and we're also going to talk a little Georgia Bulldog baseball. Across the way is a special guest, uh, my normal sidekick and coast, RG3, is out again this week with prior commitments, so I brought in... A replacement, and that replacement is the man, the myth, the legend, my dad. Dad, how's it going? Going great, Jam and Joe. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You want to you wanna talk some sports for a little bit? That sounds like fun. It, it's been an eventful week. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Dad, to get things going here, we're going to talk a little Georgia Bulldog basketball. So, I've kind of got three kind of big questions for you. All right, so my first question here, Dad. So, Georgia lost another tough one. In the SEC Tuesday night, as the dogs fell to Texas A&M, what were some of the positives that you took from a Tuesday night's tough loss? Positives, huh? <laughs> well, there weren't a lot. I, I think we started the game better. Um, the The problem is, um, you know, there's there's a blueprint out there amongst the other coaches in the conference, and uh, the weakness it of our guard play just jumps out and um, teams at some point in the game decide to press or put pressure on Georgia and Georgia doesn't seem to handle it well. And the offense is, uh, you know, suffers because of that. But, uh, you know, I, it's hard to say too much good. I, I'm impressed that with the effort we get, but, we we just don't have a whole lot of uh, basketball smarts. We make it's one thing to have turnovers, but to have dumb, unforced turnovers that that's really hard to take. No question about it. No question about it. And Dad, kind of the lone positive for me is just watching Nicholas Claxton and his growth and development. He had eighteen points eighteen points Tuesday night for the Dogs. I, I'm really really excited to see where Nicholas Claxton can go the rest of this year and going into uh, the offseason and going into his junior year, I'm really, really excited about Nick. Well, I agree. He's a, He's got a world of potential. He uh, he still needs to develop his body, you know, get stronger. But uh, he does some amazing things for a, a, a man who's six foot eleven. Very skilled, very talented player, and uh, he has a very bright future. No question about it, no question about it. Pro- probably one of my favorite plays that we've seen from him this year, Dad, was that putback dunk he had in the Texas game when Tyree went up with the uh, with the scoop shot there in the second half, and Nick just caught it in midair and just threw it down. And I was like, wow. Yeah, he he can do some spectacular things. He's, uh, he's quite a leaper and... Uh, yeah, you know, that's one area where his lack of bulk sort of pays dividends because I guess it's easier for him to 
to jump and then to jump several times in succession. Uh, you know, if you if he were heavier and it might be a little more difficult for him to get up as high and to jump as you know two or three times in a row. So he's a, he's a terrific talent. He really is. He really is. So so keeping the uh, so keeping the Georgia Bulldog basketball talk going here. Uh, Georgia got some good news on the recruiting front Monday with a verbal commit from Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard from Atlanta. How important of a recruiting win is this for Coach Crean and the Dogs for next year and beyond? It's huge, Joe. Very, very large. Um, it gives the the school and the fan base and the team hope that um, better days are ahead. You know, we've we've got a a wing player coming from Alabama who's supposed to be a big-time player. And now we've got another offensive uh, player who hopefully can, uh, you know, can really start changing the dynamics of the team. The uh, One of the problems with the current configuration is that there really isn't a go-to outside scoring threat. And I think we're going to be addressing that need. I I just hope that they're able to get some help at point guard, but um, they, you know, it's starting to starting to get exciting about what it's going to look like next year. No question about that. No question about that. And and Dad, kind of an underrated thing that I that I've seen and kind of been thinking in my own mind about this Edwards thing it, is the ability for Georgia to go in there and and convince a big time talent in the state, to stay home. I know the football team's done a really good job of doing that with Kirby. And Coach Crean said in a post-game press conference, I can't remember who it was against, but but he said, one of these days, we're, we're going to find our guy. We're going to find our in-state guy. And it appears Georgia has found that guy. And maybe this will break down the door for other big-time in-state prospects in the future and be like, you know, I have everything right here at the University of Georgia which if they're from Atlanta is like about an hour, an hour away, and I and I can achieve all my hopes and dreams there. So that's another thing that really stood out to me with this recruiting win for Tom Crane. I agree, Joe. It it it, it has the potential to establish precedent and uh, maybe change the way some of the elite players in the state look at UGA. Now Edwards has a fascinating story. Um, it's a very sad story. His Mother and his grandmother both died when he was 13, and his older siblings, brother and sister, actually are raising him and uh, uh, appears to be doing a fine job. He he's a very uh, he's a terrific young man who uh, really makes a a good impression, and. Uh, I think it's great that, you know, from their perspective, they're only going to be an hour away and they can come see him play. And, I, you know, whether it happens on the court or not for him, I, I really hope for good things for him because he's a, he's a good kid who's been through a, a very challenging uh, period of time growing up and seems to be doing everything right. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. So, so keeping uh, with the Georgia Bulldog basketball talk here, kind of my third and final big topic, Georgia hosts LSU on Saturday, 
What do the dogs have to do to spring the upset against a very talented LSU squad? Well, again, I think it's going to come back to guard play. LSU has a a really fast, dynamic point guard. And, you know, certainly I don't think we're going to – our players offensively won't match what he does offensively. But what we have to really focus on is staying in front of him and not letting him uh, get past – our front-line defense and break down our uh, our second line of defense and end up with a lot of easy baskets for both he and some of the big men that he dishes to. But um, I think that's the biggest challenge playing LSU is uh, defensively slowing down the point guard. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and I think the other thing, uh, with LSU and is down, they got a big win against Kentucky Tuesday night. Could, could they be kind of sleepwalking in to maybe Stegman Coliseum Saturday night? Well, yeah, they could be. I was talking today to a friend of the show, our friend Dan McGowan, about that, and uh, you know he thinks, and I agree with him, that there's a chance that LSU might be uh, looking past Georgia, thinking you know the what we were discussing was. When you sit around the table and you're trying to figure out who the patsy is, and if you can't figure it out, maybe it's you. Well, if LSU comes in here thinking that, you know, Georgia's a patsy for him, uh, you know, maybe the Bulldogs can catch him off guard. No question about that. No question about that. And, Dad, I also heard it's Deontay Mayton bobblehead day at Steinman Coliseum. Joe, that's exciting. I have a place in my office where I I keep all my bobbleheads in uh, – I've got room for Yante. That He was one of my favorite all-time Bulldog players. No question about it. So uh, we're hoping uh, to get there early enough so that we can add that bobblehead to the collection. I like it. I like it. So, Deb, that's going to kind of do it for our Georgia Bulldog basketball talk. We're going to keep the hoops theme going here. We're going to talk about our friends, uh, the Atlanta Hawks. And kind of my first big Hawk question for you, Dad, is the Hawks got a huge win in terms of self-confidence versus the L.A. Lakers. What impressed you the most about the victory last night? Oh, the the effort and the enthusiasm with which they played. I think they definitely brought more to the game than the Lakers did. And, uh, you know, that's part of having a young team, uh, you know, with the Lakers and then all the Laker faker fans that show up when they come to town there was more of a buzz in the arena and and I think the Hawks stepped up to the occasion and they they brought it and uh it was good to see no question about that I I really had a good time watching watching the second half of that game and watching Trey Young uh do what he did uh with, with some of those great passes um for sure for sure and we'll, we'll talk some more Trey Young as we uh, talk Hawks here. Kind of my second question for you, Dad. The Hawks are about to finish up the first half of the season with a game against the Knicks tomorrow night. How much fun have you had watching this young Hawks? I enjoy the the energy and the enthusiasm they bring. There are some nights where it just doesn't go well. And, um, you know, that that's part of having a young team, but... I really do like or appreciate the, the effort they bring. I like watching Trey Young. I like I used to like watching Jeremy Lin until they moved him on down the road. But um, I like watching Kevin. Uh, 
I like uh, John Collins, certainly. They're, this is a fun team to watch. They they don't win maybe as many games as the fans want, but... But are they more interesting? They Absolutely. are. They are. This is very, very fun to watch. And then the idea that you can... You could end up with two top ten picks next uh, this summer. This summer, that that's pretty exciting. No doubt, no doubt. So keeping the Hawks talk going here, Dad. Uh, the slam dunk contest is Saturday night. How excited are you to watch John Collins represent the Hawks in the dunk contest? Well, I, I'm very excited. I think uh, John Collins is going to bring it, and uh, I can't wait to see what he's got cooked up, but he's an enthusiastic, hard-charging player who uh, who's really fun to, uh, you know, he's a fun guy to watch. I really enjoy him. Me too, me too. And and the other good thing about the Hawks uh, with the dunk contest is think about who he has as resources. He he has Neek, and then he has uh, Sergeant Carter himself, Vince Carter, who had the probably the greatest dunk in the history of the dunk contest. Well, let's... Uh... That's true. I mean, he's got some mentors that he can look up to and uh, discuss things. So it's going to be exciting on uh, Saturday night to see what he's got cooked up. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, Dad, kind of wrapping up here with the Hawks talk here. Uh, I mentioned Trey Young earlier in the interview, or earlier uh, when we were talking Hawks, and uh, I kind of got a Trey Young question for you here. So, Trey Young leads all rookies in assists with 7.4 assists per game. How much of a jump, in your opinion, has Trey made from the beginning of the season to now? Well, I think it's it's very significant, the improvement. November into early to mid-December, we were kind of scratching our heads, and there was a lot of discussion about, did the Hawks make a mistake with that trade? But I think the last uh, 60 days, you know, I think most Hawk fans are very happy with uh, Trey Young and really excited about what he brings to the table. It's a unique set of skills as the uh, as point guard. You know, really good point guards don't come along that often. And, uh, and Trey Young is certainly a, a very talented, very young point guard who has a very bright future. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, Dad, so that's going to kind of do it for our basketball talk here. We're going to transition uh, to a little baseball talk here. The Braves... Dad, as you know, open up uh, Friday with pitchers and catchers reporting. So, Dad, what are some storylines you're looking forward to reading or watching or kind of hearing about with uh, the 2019 Braves as pitchers and catchers report? Well, what the Braves decide to do with the pitching staff is going to be fascinating. I can, in all my years of watching baseball, I've never seen a team blessed with so many potential starting pitchers that very talented. Um, you know, if Tukey was the only prospect we had, we'd be thinking, oh, this guy's fabulous. He's terrific. Well, he's just one of the gang. A Gohara, that, you know, they're telling us that Gohara's in much better shape. And, you know, his arm has always been A+. plus. It's just you know, getting him healthy and getting him in the right mindset has been the challenge. And if he's going to take the step forward and, you know, and, and it, the first step for him was getting in better shape. Boy, he, he's got the chance to be a really dynamic pitcher. You know, we've got Ian Anderson, who's probably the youngest of this group, but certainly 
very talented. We have Mike Soroka and Colby Allard, who we've heard about for a couple of years now, and they're both very exciting prospects. We have the the, the lad from Vanderbilt, who's, who's a big-time pitcher. Uh, you got Bryce Wilson? You got Bryce Wilson. I mean, there are pitchers, Joe, and um, and then you got Fultonevich, and you got Newcomb, and you got... Um, Gosman. Kevin Gosman, who we got from the Orioles. Who I really like. I really like um, you, you know, and none of these guys are very old. So, you know, at some point it's going to be fascinating to see what the Braves do with this excess pitching talent. But I think this spring they're, they're, there's going to be a shakeout as to who the Braves, you know, want to begin the season with. But I don't think just because you – you make the roster in April, it's a guarantee you're going to be there in July. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens with this uh, pitching staff. there. But there's just so much young talent. It's yeah. going to be fun. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So, so now I caught kind of another storyline. What were your thoughts about the Braves bringing back Nick Markeka? Joe, I don't think, you know, when the season ended last year, there were a lot of people that thought that Nick had played his last game for the Braves. But boy, if, you know, if it, it didn't work out with other outfielders, he's a terrific guy to bring back. I mean, he's a pro's pro. He's a terrific example to young players. He's still productive. And the fact he takes such good care of himself and, He's always in great shape. He never gives up an at-bat. He battles every every pitch of every at-bat. Uh, I think he's a terrific um, role model for, the, for young players. And, you know, I don't know that he's going to have the, the statistics this year that maybe we were hoping for, but considering the contract that he signed, I thought it was a, a terrific move and, you know, I know they believe that with Pache and the minor league system, they're not that far away from having another dynamic young outfielder. By having Nick on the type of contract they have, they're not blocking him. So um, I don't have a problem with Nick coming back. If they weren't going to go out and spend some money and get a big uh, whomper out there in right field, I got no problem with Nick Marcakis. No doubt, no doubt. So, Dad, kind of my last question in terms of like spring training for the Braves as pitchers and catchers report. What are your thoughts on the catching situation? Joe, Joe, I think we have two old pros back there who will really help the young pitchers that we have. I'm a little concerned if both of them are healthy, I think we're in a good good shape. But if one of them gets hurt, uh, I think we're, we might have to reach out and, and add somebody else. Because the idea of either one of those guys playing extended number of days in a row, uh, I don't think that's in the card. But the flip side of that is, like with the outfield, we have a young catcher in the system who we believe in. And, you know, we'll just have to see how he... Um, you know, how things unfold for him this year. But I, I think uh, Contreras might be a, a terrific catcher going forward for the Braves. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And for those of you that don't know, Williams Contreras is the younger brother of Cubs of the Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras. So you know catching's in his blood. Absolutely. Joe, I want to ask you, what do you think about third base this year? We've gone out and given... 
maybe one of the largest contracts in the history of Atlanta sports for a single season. What do you think we're going to get for all that? Dad, honestly, I'm really nervous about him. I hope Josh Donaldson is healthy and right because I've because I've seen Josh Donaldson at his healthiest and he is a hitting machine and he plays pretty good defense but but his bat can be very impactful and can really help out the Braves and really lengthen the lineup and uh, and and give Freddie and Ronald Acuna and Ozzy the protection that they would need which would be exciting to see but if Donaldson's but if Donaldson for some reason gets hurt or something that then I'm a little, you know, kind of kind of unsure to say. Well, for a couple of years now, he's, he's really battled that injury thing. But um, again, you know, it's a broken record. There is, in the farm system, who does look like a potential, has the potential to be a solution at third base. Right. And the contract we've signed with Donaldson... Um, doesn't obligate the Braves long term. So I think both in the outfield and at third base and to a lesser extent behind the plate, uh, we have, you know, old pros in place, but we also have a lot of youth have, behind have some youth coming up that um, a lot of people are very excited about. Well, and, well, Dad, another guy that we're, you know, thinking of, or that we haven't really talked about at all, who just kind of popped in my head is Johan Camargo. Yeah, what do you what do you think his role is going to be this year? He, you know, Dad, I heard an interview with Walt Weiss earlier today, and Walt Weiss talked about the ability that Camargo can have to play a lot of different positions and impact the game in a lot of different ways. And Walt Weiss was saying that he could see Camargo maybe playing a corner outfield spot as well as any as well as any spot in the infield. So that's another name to think about is Johan Camargo. Because we saw what he could do last year as starting third baseman. I thought he did an excellent job over a third and with the bat. And I think the Braves ran into a situation last year where Marcakis and Albies and, uh, you know, kind of hit the wall at the end of the year and, and they their production tailed off. And maybe uh, having a super utility man like him and Charlie Culberson – you know, as productive as those two guys have the potential to be, the Braves might be in a position to uh, to rest people more, and and maybe the last couple months of the season we won't see that dip in production. No doubt, no doubt. So, Dad, that's going to kind of do it here for our early season Braves talk. We'll we'll have you on the show again to talk more Braves, Dad. We're going to wrap up the show here with a little Georgia Bulldog baseball talk. The Dogs open up the season. At Foley Field on Friday against the Dayton Flyers. What what are your thoughts about uh, the 2019 Georgia Bulldogs? Well, Joe, based on what I've seen and what I've heard, I think one of the strengths of the team is going to be the pitching, especially the starting pitching. There are a number of arms that are going to be out there competing for the weekend slots. Uh, I think we have some we have some good hitters. What I'm concerned about is the lack of pop. This is a team that seemed to be a lot better when they hit a couple home runs, and uh, I don't know if we have uh, anybody on the roster who's going to hit 10 or more home runs, and it's nice to have that big thumper in the middle of the lineup. Right. What are your thoughts? 
I kind of agree with you there. I'm really excited to see what Emerson Hancock does in his sophomore year but because I think that kid's got ace written all over him for the dog. I'm also excited to see uh, Aaron Schunk over at third base and Cam Shepard over at shortstop. That, that left side of your infield's got a chance to be really, really good. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, and, and so I think with Hancock and Shunk and uh, and Shepard and uh, LJ Talley, just to name a couple of players, I, th- I think if you get all those guys in the right mix, I think Georgia's got a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun spring to see uh, what happens with this team. No doubt about it, no doubt about it. So, Dad, that's going to wrap it up here for this episode this week. I want to thank you for coming on, and uh, it, it was good to talk some uh, some basketball as well as uh, an early peek into baseball. Joe, I enjoyed it very much. I always enjoy talking to the sports genius, and uh, I appreciate uh, the the knowledge. I always end up learning something when I talk to you. So uh, thank you for having me on the Fan for All Seasons. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's going to do it for another exciting installment in the Fan for All Seasons podcast, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya!